Litcentric Radio is sponsored by Book Taco, an online program for managing independent reading in grades K-8. Book Taco is an affordable alternative to Accelerated Reader with an engaging, inclusive environment for the diverse students you serve. Book Taco offers teachers so many ways to check on their students' progress anytime during the school year. I'll share with you some different reports you can generate later on in the episode. Welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that's a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Webb. Well, happy holidays to everyone and a very happy new year. Boy, 2020, you guys, what a tough year. I don't have to tell you that. Um, But even though 2020 was rough in so many ways, I still think there's a lot that we can be grateful for. At least I know personally I'm grateful for a lot of things. And I have a lot of people to thank, actually, for making this year much better. So what I would like you to do, or what I encourage you to do, is to send a message of thanks to someone who made 2020 a lot better for you. Now, this could be, you know, someone you know personally. could be somebody, you know, maybe you interact with online. Even someone who owns or works at a local business that has made this year at least more bearable, right? Uh, go ahead and post something for that person or send them a message, tag them, especially if they're a business, it's great visibility for that business. And just do that little small gesture for someone. I think it'll mean a lot. And what a nice way to end 2020 for someone to get a nice message from you. So at Litcentric, I've been very busy getting ready for season six of Litcentric Radio. So, gosh, I can't believe season six is upon us already. I'm in the process, actually, of choosing titles to feature on the show, and I would really love to hear your recommendations for titles that you'd like to see. These can be titles that, you know, you've owned for a long time on your bookshelf and you love to read them year after year, and maybe you just kind of want a different take on them or someone else's perspective or a new teaching idea, let me know what those titles are. Or maybe there's a new book that you discovered, whether it's new to you or brand new out there. Maybe you want some ideas for how to use a book that you love. So drop me a line. Let me know. Tag me at Litcentric. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Those are all easy ways to let me know the titles or even authors that you really love. And you never know, you might get lucky and your title might be chosen for season six. So I'm very excited season six is upon us and I can't wait to see what recommendations you have. And I can't wait to show you some of the books that I'm pretty sure will probably end up in our lineup. And I have one last thing to tell you before season five comes to a close. This isn't our last episode of season five. Our next episode will be the last one. That one's going to come out um, in January. So just as the new year begins. But since season five is coming to a close, this is your last chance to purchase the Let Centric Radio growing bundle of lessons at its current price. So um, in that growing bundle, I have lessons from every single episode from episode one all the way through now. It'll be through episode 60 by the time... uh, Not this one comes out, but the next one, the end of season five. And um, before the next season starts, or right as the next season starts, the price is going to go up. So in January, the price will go up. And I want you to make sure you know to take advantage of this offer to get the current price. Uh, Since it's a growing bundle, you pay the one price. 
And every time I add new lessons to it, you never have to pay for them again. So that's kind of the nice thing about that. Really, you get lessons for just pennies on the dollar. It's a really great deal. But with every season, the price does go up because I'm adding so many more lessons to that collection. So don't miss out on that opportunity. You can go to litcentric.com in the shop tab. You'll see something in there for reading, even for writing. I have Litcentric Radio um, growing bundle lessons at a couple different locations in my online store. So it's pretty easy to find. So don't miss out on that opportunity to get a good deal. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at using text sets to deepen comprehension. And we're going to do that with the text Counting on Catherine by Helene Becker. Now, I love Counting on Catherine because, I mean, Catherine Johnson, wow, what an inspiring true story of really, I mean, a real American hero. If you don't know who Katherine Johnson is, actually, you probably do. You may just not recognize the name. Katherine Johnson is one of the women featured in the book and uh, hit movie Hidden Figures. And she is the uh, mathematician who spent her career helping NASA to have success in their launches and landings of different missions. And I love this book because, I mean, her talent and hard work Really, they were unfortunately matched with societal racism and misogyny, as we know. Um, She was, you know, growing up and really having her career, her career really taking off in the 60s with the space race. And you can imagine as a black woman in particular, working in a white male dominated field, what she encountered in her day to day experiences, not only at work, but in life in general. And her perseverance in spite of these seemingly unbeatable odds is just so noteworthy, and it's wonderful to see it in a book for children, Counting on Catherine. Now, in Counting on Catherine, I love to use this for exploring the idea, actually, of text sets. So not only using this text, but combining it with other types of text to integrate information from multiple sources. Now, this is something you can do with any text, actually. And you don't have to be constrained by only using text like in print. You don't have to use just picture books. You don't even have to be confined by a particular genre. You can match a fiction text with a nonfiction piece as well. So there's lots of great ways to match up text. And in our lesson today, I'm going to show you a couple of examples of some of the text that I would pair with a book like this one. So that not only do my students get to access the information from Counting on Catherine, but we're actually going to um, incorporate some images and some video and audio pieces that actually all still fall under the term of text, but maybe you're not using them in these ways very often with children, and we definitely should be. And in this multimedia world that we live in, and our students having access to more information all at once than ever before, definitely, you know, a lot more than we had when we were kids, we really need to help them to navigate those multiple sources and understand how to kind of see themes and facts and information that they all have in common and also where the differences are in those different texts because those are skills that they're really going to need as readers and writers not only in school but in life in general and that makes this definitely worth our time in the classroom so let's take a look at today's text counting on Catherine. Now, Catherine was a very bright girl who really excelled in school, and I mean really excelled. She advanced several grade levels at a time, which, you know, nowadays I'm sure that probably wouldn't happen, at least I don't think so. But back in Catherine's day, you know, in the 40s, 50s, that kind of thing, she was so bright that they just moved her on in different grade levels. And actually, she was ready for high school by the age of 10, which, gosh, is just absolutely amazing. But... 
Catherine, not only because of her gifts and her talents and her academic abilities, that making her so different from her peers, another way that she was really different was because not only was she female, of course, but she was black. And so for Catherine, this meant that her local high school wouldn't admit her as a student, not because she was 10, but because she was black. And so her family did everything they could to provide her with the opportunity to attend high school, and they actually moved to a different town that would allow her to attend. Of course, she was an extremely talented student, but her real talent and skill and probably her love was really in mathematics. But another unfortunate obstacle for Catherine was that, you know, as a woman, she also had very few job prospects because, you know, back in the 50s and early 60s, many women were limited to particular careers such as um, teachers and nurses and secretaries. Those were kind of the top three. And if those weren't fields that you were interested in, you know, there wasn't much else you could do. So Catherine actually took her love of academics and her skill in teaching and learning and became an elementary teacher. And after a few years, she actually heard of uh, this program at NASA or what would become NASA, where they were hiring people to be mathematicians to help in the space program. And after applying a couple of times, Catherine was accepted and she became a computer. Now we think of computers now as, you know, these laptops and, you know, pieces of circuitry and software that help us do things. But back then a computer was an actual person, a person who computes numbers, right? That's where that term computer comes from. So she became a computer doing complex um, calculations for NASA. And she joined a group of really brilliant black women and became the um, black female computers at NASA to really help not only to do launches and landings, but really accelerate that progress during the space race when the United States was really in competition with Russia to get a man on the moon. The calculations that Catherine was primarily responsible for and as she advanced in her career at NASA was to really make sure that launches and landings were done safely. And really bringing astronauts home safely was something that she was personally entrusted with many times over in her career. And this includes the astronauts of Apollo 13. So if you recall that story, or even re re you recall that movie, remember Houston, we've had a problem, right? That whole idea. Catherine is one of the people who is responsible for bringing those astronauts home safely under really kind of ridiculous odds. So Counting on Catherine is a text that really just gives kids a tiny glimpse into what Catherine's really long and successful career at NASA was like, a little bit of that, and kind of leads the way for us to continue the conversation with students to um, show how she was recognized later on in life, but also um, to really dig deeper into some of the underlying stories and experiences that the book doesn't go into depth too much and just little hints are there. So that's where our tech sets come in. We can show other images and other portrayals and other um, you know, sources of information, even directly from Catherine herself, to get a sense of who she was and what her accomplishments were and also the limitations and obstacles that stood in her way that she had to overcome. With Book Taco, not only can you get your students to read and read a lot, you can monitor their reading in a bunch of different ways. We all know that monitoring student progress is critical for furthering their development as readers, and Book Taco has so many tools that gather, rearrange, and slice the data so that any way you look at it, you're going to get valuable information. 
For example, you can track which students have taken certain quizzes in a book list, which will help you keep certain students on track and give others a nudge. Another report gives you an activity summary so you can see how many points students have earned, which can tell you about how productive students are during centers or independent reading time when they're working on book talk activities. You can differentiate how many points students should be collecting based on their different reading rates and determine reasonable goals for each student. A report like this gives you a sense of who might need support and who's moving too quickly through activities and maybe not putting forth their best effort. I like the reports that give you insight into the books students read during the year. You can sort them by title and see which books were most popular and even which genres were most popular. This data can help you steer students towards similar books they probably like and can help when you go to restock your classroom or school library with books kids really want to read. I can see making book recommendations to parents in a class newsletter when I pass out book orders. By far, my favorite report for monitoring student growth has got to be the report that shows all the book notes my students have completed. It shows the list of students, the book titles they read, and the notes they wrote about those books. I love to see student writing all at once like that because it makes it easier to spot trends in their work. I can see different times during the year when students needed more instruction to write better responses and compare that to the strategies I taught. Then I can see if my instruction had an impact on their work and where to support them next. How fun would it be to celebrate reading with your class at the end of the school year by sharing their class totals, like how many words they read collectively? Can you imagine how huge that number would be? Book Talker reports give you so much information that would be hard to track without their online tools. I counted at least 14 different reports you can generate in their system to track your students' progress, both whole class and individual readers. Log on to booktaco.com and look into their reporting tools. How might you use them to help your readers? That's booktaco.com. So to build today's bridge chart, we're going to do things in a little bit different order than we normally do. Normally in Lit-Centric Radio lessons, we'll read the book with children, we'll do an interactive read aloud, and we've got text-dependent questions in our lesson that will help prompt students to kind of dive in and think a little bit differently and help get them prepared for that ultimate writing task that we want them to do. But in, what's different about Lit-Centric Radio lessons is that I don't think it's enough to go from the interactive read aloud straight to the writing piece. I think students need more time to build some collective knowledge with their peers. They need to have more time experimenting with those ideas and the language to express those ideas. And the way we do that is through interactive charts. So the charting experience should always be an interactive experience where the majority of the language that populates the chart the majority of the ideas that end up on there actually come from the students themselves. And the teacher acts as a guide providing the structure and the discussion routines to help that happen. And that piece that's missing in a lot of interactive read-alouds, I think, is one of the reasons why student writing samples tend to kind of flop after some of the lessons that we provide. Or another way to look at it is that a lot of the prompts that I see people providing where they want students to respond to the reading they just did, they're very basic, they're very minimal, and the expectations are, are, I think, too low, honestly. And so by building in this charting experience, we can elevate those expectations because students now have this really rich experience to draw from. They can draw from the text as well, and now they actually have something to say and something to write about. So because our order usually puts that chart after the read aloud, 
we're going to do things a little bit differently today because, because our text-dependent questions are going to be asked after we've already read the entire book, after we've watched some movie clips, after we've read, you know, her biography or heard her biography and heard her speak, after maybe we see some images of her um, in her real life. So we're actually going to present students with the entire text set and experience that together. And then at the end, we're going to visit the questions on the chart and we're going to draw from all of those different sources in that text set in order to answer those questions. So it's a little bit different than usual, but I think it creates for a very rich experience. Now in our lesson, um, if you purchase a lesson from Eccentric Radio, it's the growing bundle of lessons. In that lesson, I have a few links for you about some potential resources that you might want to use as part of a text set, but you are certainly not required to use those particular sources or feel limited to those sources. There are hundreds and hundreds of articles and information out there about Katherine Johnson. She's a very famous, rightly so, very famous person. And, um, and there's also other wonderful children's books about Katherine Johnson. So I'm just giving you a couple out there that you can access easily for free. And from there, I encourage you to explore a few others because I think the richer you can make the text set, the better off children will be in understanding some of the kind of deeper, uh, more kind of harder pieces to understand about her story, at least for young children. So as part of building this bridge chart, I just usually title it, you know, Katherine Johnson, just to focus on her. And I encourage you to include a little photo of her, you know, go ahead and just do Google images or something, capture a screenshot of her so that students can remember um, who she is and who we're talking about here. And then I just divide the chart into four different columns. And I just number them one, two, three, four, because I'm only gonna ask four text-dependent questions of students. But because I'm only asking four, it doesn't mean that students don't have to do a lot of thinking and a lot of referring to the text that we read or that we viewed. Because remember, it's not just the book that we want them to refer to. We want them to think across those different texts, those videos, those images, those articles, so that they can draw information from multiple sources. And I'm betting that when you ask one of these questions, students will be able to pull out the same types of information from multiple sources. So they can kind of see that thread that runs through different pieces, which is a great research skill for them to have. So an example of one of the questions is a little bit more concrete um, to start with, which is generally how I like to start with books like this. And the question is, what was Catherine like as a child? So it's an easy place to start is to go actually to the Counting on Catherine book because a lot of the book really focuses on how she gets to the point of even becoming a teacher and applying to NASA to be a mathematician. So students can walk through the pictures with you. They can recall some of the language that was used in the text. And of course, if you look at some of the other biographies and pieces out there, you'll find other sources that also corroborate this information. So when I add that to the chart, whatever students say, like she was smart, she was talented, she was really determined, she liked to dream big, all these things that were true about Catherine as a child and really continue to be true throughout her life. We go ahead and just document those under question number one on our chart. And I like to go through students and somehow indicate where that information came from, which particular source. And if it's multiple sources, even better. So an easy way to do that is to uh, just use some different colors of marker and just put a little check mark like if it came from the book 
check use a check mark in blue if it came from a particular video do a check mark in red for example or if it came from an article a biography do a check mark in green and just show the multiple ways or multiple places that students access that information another way to do that is just with those colored sticky dots that can be a fun way even afterwards for students to go through with you and go oh yeah i know that was over here because students will pick up information from different locations and because this is really a discussion and we're charting this together and we're building that collective knowledge together it's an opportunity for students to go oh yeah that's right it was in that article and it was in that movie clip oh but don't forget it was also in that book so this is a way for us to really bring those ideas together another question i might ask students um, in this kind of short collection of questions was um, what made catherine successful now that's a much harder question to answer because there's so many ways that we can define success, right? And there's so many ways that Catherine really demonstrates that in different aspects of her life. So this question, even though it can be um, still somewhat concrete, students really have to dig deeply and think carefully about evidence and kind of make an argument as to why they think she was um, you know, particularly successful in certain ways. So maybe it was her hard work that made her successful. And so maybe I'd write that down, or hard work, and I'd say, give me an example of that. What, at what point in her life did she work hard? And maybe they would say, well, because she worked so hard in school, she was able to go to high school at a young age. Right? Okay, great. Where'd you get that from? Oh, that was from the Counting on Catherine book. Excellent. So add all of those pieces to the chart just to really make sure it's a little bit richer and deeper, and you can really get a sense of where students are drawing their information you may find some interesting patterns where some students really draw their information very successfully from the book itself, whereas other students may actually do very well with video clips or audio clips or some you know, photographic images that go with an article. Students may be drawn to different sources in different ways. So we can, when we provide multiple chances for that, multiple opportunities to gather that information, we're really reinforcing um, kind of the skills and the things they're already drawn to and allowing them to practice building that comprehension in multiple ways. Now, part of what we're doing is preparing students to think deeply about Catherine's life experience. And this can be really challenging for students, especially if this is not a lived experience that they've had. You know, not very many students are going to be you know, NASA mathematicians, right? But also think about not all of our students are female, not all of our students are black, and we certainly today don't live in the exact same kind of societal norms as Catherine did. So, you know, knowing that we have to have enough empathy and also kind of this 360 degree view of Catherine's life, that's hard for even adults to do sometimes. So we wanna guide students through this, through those questions we're asking, through these sources that we're giving them, and the writing task I'm gonna ask them to do is think about this particular picture that comes from the Counting on Catherine book. And it's on page 27, 28 of the book where they're celebrating, you know, in the Houston kind of control room when they've successfully gotten the Apollo 13 crew back to Earth safely. And of course, Catherine's calculations were an incredibly important part of that aspect. No, not, not just her, right? It was everybody working together but Catherine played a particularly important role. And in the image, you can see the entire, you know, control room, all these white male engineer, you know, NASA expert people, right, in this room celebrating. And in the image, Catherine is off to the side, noticeably outside of that room. 
celebrating on her own. So I think for a lot of students, that would be a particular juxtaposition that they would miss just because they're young and aren't necessarily looking for those things, or if they don't know much about Catherine or particularly the context in which she lived and worked and had her success, you wouldn't necessarily pick up on the fact that she's alone, she's not included in that group of people or even in the room. And so it makes it pretty clear the distinctions and those obstacles and barriers that are put up, um, that were put up in front of her um, at really at every turn in her life and really how much more important her success was because she overcame or found ways around some of those barriers at some point. So I want students to be able to take information from all these sources, answer these questions to get a sense of who Catherine was and what her experience was like, and look at that picture in a very different way and write about that using evidence from our discussion and from the chart itself. Now, I think that makes for a really rich conversation experience for students. And not only does it help them process this text, but it processes other texts as well. And that's information and experience and a life lesson in Katherine Johnson that they can really take forward and apply to other things that they're going to do in their lives inside of school and outside of school. So I hope you'll check out Counting on Catherine. It's a fabulous book. There's so many great fabulous books about Katherine Johnson. And don't forget to really take a look at different texts that you can pull in and they can be at different levels as well. They can be much higher level than students can process on their own because you can be right there to read it aloud and help them process it. So think about different levels, different genres, different sources, different mediums that you can use to bring information together for students. And please have a wonderful holiday season and stay safe, have a wonderful new year. I will see you back here uh, next time when we come back on January 4th for the last episode of season five. And we'll see you next time. Have a great day at school.